0: Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are starting off a brand new month. Happy 4th of July. Hope you get out and enjoy yourself. Thank you for popping into church to be able to be um, with us today, even though you might be with us digitally. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, we are jump- jumping into a brand new series. It is entitled Bro. This month, we're going to be focused all on the brothers, and and we're going to be just seeking to look at the life of David and leverage David's story uh, to impart some wisdom to brothers and hopefully encourage brothers, help brothers to see themselves uh, through the story of David, right? David has this very, very complex life. He has these different layers to himself, but David is still known as a man after God's own heart. And so I'm hoping, again, out of this series to help brothers see themselves, to let this be a time of healing, a time of being seen, a time of being acknowledged, and hopefully God will speak some things through me, through his word, to you through this series. Um, Let's jump into 1 Samuel chapter 17. This week we're going to be looking at David the warrior. Um, the way the series is set up is we'll talk about David the warrior, David the worshiper, uh, David the wounded, and David the wronged. We're going to be looking at all these different aspects of, of David, and again, hoping that you will be able to see yourself um, as we get a chance to look at David. First Samuel uh, chapter 17, verse 45. Let's bow in a quick word of prayer, and then we'll jump right in. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for giving us this chance to come together. I pray, God, that you will uh, just preach through me to these, your people, in a way that is real and relevant. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at um, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. So it was 6 a.m. Monday morning. My alarm on my phone had just gone off. I-, I had been up at 2 a.m. and again at 4 a.m. to feed Layla, who was crying in the middle of the night. Now it was time for me to get up and stay up and go to work. The, the never-ending loop of my week had begun all over again. After spending Saturday working on my sermon and then getting up early Sunday to finish it and then serving as pastor at the church on Sunday, it was Monday again and time for me to put on my teacher and administrator hat at the school. But My body, my mind, my spirit was exhausted. And, and that day, as I looked down at my feet hitting the floor at 6 a.m. in the morning, I just wanted to lay back in bed, but, but, but I knew that I could not go back to bed. I, I knew that I had to get up because I had these obligations. I had an obligation to my family. I, I had an obligation to my church. I had an obligation to the team that I work with at school, and I had an obligation to the kids in my classroom. You know, I, I'll be honest, I, I don't know what it means to be a man. Because every culture and time creates its own definition of what it means to be a man. When you look at the Bible, the Bible does not prescribe how one must exactly be in order to be a man, but but it is full of worthy models of men. But, But let me say to you that although I cannot define what it means to be a man, I can lift up one attribute that screams manhood to me that that one attribute that screams manhood to me is stepping up to do what needs to be done. When I look at David, that's what I see. When I reflect on the men who have exemplified manhood to me in my life, that is what I see. But when I reflect on the lessons that my father taught me, the talks that he had with me and my brothers, an exemplary characteristic of being a man is stepping up to do what needs to be done. Well, where I come from, we call that standing on it. And I want to pause for a moment today to give props to every man that stands on it. Every man that continues to show up at a job, whether or not you love it or not that continues to grind for your business, whether it is succeeding the way you the way that you want it to or not. A man that continues to show up for your family, to pray for your family, to protect your family, to lay yourself on the line for your family and community simply because it needs to be done. Props to the men who balanced working from home and being daddy at home. Props to the men who put their lives and their bodies on the line as activists protesting in these streets for justice. Props to the men who step up to do what needs to be done. Uh, David in 1 Samuel chapter 17 exemplifies this characteristic. He, He finds himself face to face with the fearful Israelite army and an emboldened Philistine army. When no one else would step up to fight, it is David that steps up to do what needs to be done. G- Goliath has come out to the battle line to taunt Israel day after day in this story. Goliath has been saying to them every day that, that there does not need to be a war fought here. What we can simply do is send your best man out to fight against me. Now, I do not know whether or not the writer of 1 Samuel is exaggerating or using hyperbole when he talks about the height of Goliath. But but what we do understand here from the writer of 1 Samuel is that Goliath is a giant in both height and girth. He is a giant Philistine and challenging, and he is seeking to challenge these short of stature Israelites. So when David arrives at the battle lines just to drop off some supplies and some food to his brothers, David overhears this taunting that Goliath has been doing every single day. For days, Goliath has been taunting them. For days, he has been challenging them. But nobody, not even the king Saul, would step up to fight him. David hears Goliath and David is incensed at the fact that Goliath is taunting the armies of Israel. And David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is he that he should defy the armies of the living God? After this, Saul hears about David's boldness and Saul sends for David. And when David gets to Saul, David says to Saul in verse 32, let no man's heart fail because of him your servant will go and fight this philistine. Saul said you are not able to fight against this giant because you are only a, a youth. But then David insisted in verse 34. It says but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a, when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. David said, your servant, verse 36, your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37, and David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So then what happens next is Paul, Saul puts his armor on David, and uh, Dave, he gave David his sword, and then David tried using this armor and tried using this sword, and then David quickly realized that this armor and this sword, this stuff was custom fit for Saul, not for him. And David says, I can't use this because I haven't practiced in this. Instead, what does David do? He goes over to the brook and David reaches down and David grabs five smooth stones. He throws them into his shepherd's pouch and he grabbed the sling. The word says that he approached Goliath at the battle line. And when Goliath saw him, he had disdain for him because David was small. He was young. He was red cheeked and handsome. Verse 44, it says the Philistine, the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. for The battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hand. When the Goliath rushed to the battle line, David grabbed one of those smooth stones. David put the smooth stone into his sling and David whips that sling around and he flings that rock At Goliath, the Bible says that it struck Goliath, it sank into his forehead and he fell on his face and David ran up, took Goliath's sword and struck him dead with his own sword. Let me say to you that there are three things that I see in this story that I want to share with you that speak something out of this story, that speak something to us about what a man does. We understand that a man is one who steps up to do what needs to be done because, watch this from David's story, he realizes that he is empowered by God. Now, when you look at this story, you get a sense that David is not confident in his own strength, but he realizes that his power comes from God. In verse 45, David says, You come to me with the sword and with the spear and with the javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel. Verse 46, he says, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Verse 47, he says, the Lord saves not with sword and spear. Watch this. For the battle is the Lord's. David's confidence, when you look at the narrative, David's confidence is all wrapped up in God. David realizes how big Goliath is, yes but he also realizes how big God is. David realizes how strong Goliath is, yes, but he also realizes how strong God is. Let me say to you brothers, that you need to know today that you are empowered by God who is stronger than any obstacle that you may face. God is bigger. God is bigger than any giant you may face bigger than any obstacle that you may face. God is tougher than any circumstance that you may be up against. No matter what situation that you may be facing, God is bigger. And so so you've got some career giants that you are facing. Know that you are empowered by God to face them. So so you've got some financial giants that you are facing. No matter how hard you work, no matter how hard you grind, it seems that it is still never enough for you to get ahead, for you to be able to meet all of the obligations and chase after the opportunities that you are trying to establish for yourself and for your family. Can I say to you this morning that you are empowered by God to face them? So this morning... Maybe you've got some health giants. Maybe you've got some dream-crushing giants. Maybe you've got some giants of doubt that you are facing. Let me say to you once again that you are empowered by God to face them. Let me say to you, secondly, that a man is one who steps up to do what needs to be done because, secondly, he acknowledges fear and pushes through it. Can I speculate for a moment? we we are reading right in first samuel we are reading the writer's account of the story of david against goliath but one of the things that narratives can miss is the emotions that are part of the story you see we we cannot see david's face here we 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 cannot see david's face through the written text, we cannot see fear. We cannot see anxiousness. We cannot see sweat on David's brow. We, we can't see whether or not David takes some steps forward and then some steps back. We cannot see whether or not David's legs are wobbling as David goes up to the battle line. We, we cannot hear whether or not there is a lump in David's throat as he speaks. We can't see the signs of emotions that real life interactions can show us. But but if I can for a moment use my sanctified imagination, let me for a moment imagine what David has going on here. I imagine that at some point that David realized that his mouth had written a check that his butt was about to have to get ready to cash. I imagine that there was fear when David stepped up to that battle line. That David had to know that in the next moments, he could either live or die. There had to be fear. That there is no way that you face a situation like this and not feel fear. No. Now, I believe David was afraid at points. And I believe at certain points was terrified. But you know what I read into the text? by the fact that he fought Goliath anyway? What I read into that is that David acknowledged the fear and decided to push through it anyway. My brothers, can I be transparent with you for a moment? I am fearful more often than I care to admit, but the greatest outcomes in my life have been just on the other side of fear. When we bought our first piece of investment property, I I sat outside that bank before going in to withdraw that money to go to the closing. I was fearful. I sat there for minutes and minutes and minutes. I was fearful that I was making a mistake. I was fearful that I was going to lose our family's money. I was fearful. When we found the city point, I was 27 years old. I was fearful that I would fail and the church would fold before I could even get it off the ground. Fearful. When we moved to this facility, I was fearful that we wouldn't be able to afford the rent and that we would end up defaulting and being evicted. When Carla and I started planning a family, I was fearful of being a dad. When I left education a few years ago to focus on City Point full time, I was fearful that walking away from that money and that pension and that job would be the biggest mistake of my life. I could spend all day, I could spend all day recounting all the times daily that I encounter fear, but let me just tell you this, the greatest outcomes of my life have been just on the other Side of fear. Fearful often. Fearful a lot of times. But I've learned this secret along the way of trying to figure out how to be a good man. Here's a secret that I learned and I'll share it with you. It is all right to have fear. Just don't allow fear to have you. It is all right to be afraid. Just don't stop at fear. Fear. You got to push on through it. So you want to be an entrepreneur, but you're afraid. So be a scared entrepreneur. So so you want to be a dad, but you are afraid. Well, be an afraid dad. So so you want to buy a house. You want to pursue a promotion. You want to get active in the community, but you are afraid. That is okay. Be afraid while you do it and pursue all of those things. My brothers, acknowledge the fear, but push on through it. Let me say to you thoroughly and finally, a man is one who steps up to do what needs to be done because he leverages even limited resources to accomplish his goals. In verse 38, it says, then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. Verse 39, and David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Verse 40, then he took his staff, he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. let share with you thoroughly and finally that David had limited resources, but David used what he had to accomplish his goals. You understand, warriors don't go out to battle with rocks and slings. They, they go out wearing armor. They, they go out carrying swords. They go out carrying shield, shields, and they wear helmets. David didn't have any of those things. He had some rocks and a sling. David has confidence in God, though. He has empowerment from God. He has knowledge that this needed to be done and conviction that he could do it. And so with these limited, very limited resources, David used what he had to accomplish his goals. I think that's a word to somebody as I get ready to close. You've been looking at what you don't have. You've been looking at what you don't have access to. You've been looking at the limitations of your situation. And it is this that has sidelined you, that has kept you from even trying. You've been looking at the giants that you are facing. You've been looking at the limitations of your resources. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough connections. I don't have enough degrees. I don't have the family legacy. I don't have the investors. I don't have the right look. Somewhere along the line, you've got to stop looking at the resources that you don't have and look at the God that you do have. The space, the space between what I need and what I have is what I call the God gap. It is that distance between what I need and what I got. I call that the God gap. And that God gap is filled in by the power of God. Who somehow, when he gets involved, suspends the rules and the math. So Somehow or another, with God, two plus one equals ten. Somehow he does that because God takes my little and he makes it enough. Somehow God takes limited resources and he makes it what it needs to be, he did it on that Judean hillside when there were 5,000 people, and all that was there was two fish and five loaves or five biscuits. 5,000 plus people needed to be fed, and what did he do? He made it enough. When Pharaoh's army was behind the Hebrews and the Red Sea was in front of them, all Moses had was a staff in his hand, and God made it enough to part the waters of the Red Sea. I I don't need to tell you about Moses, and I don't need to tell you about the 5,000. We can look at your own life and see the testimony that God knows how to make it enough. Didn't have enough tuition money for the semester to stay in school, but somehow or another, God made it enough. Didn't have a network or connections to even get an interview, but somehow or another, God guided some things to get your foot in the door. God made it enough. Didn't have enough money to get enough food for the week, but somehow or another, God made it enough. He is a God who makes it, who makes it enough. And so as I say, I say as I close brothers, You need to leverage even the limited resources that you have to accomplish your goals. If David could get out there with a sling and five smooth stones, then surely, with the help of God, what you have is enough. What you have is enough. Step up and do what needs to be done. Because what you have is enough. And that's that's the word about David the warrior.